Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Well, good evening and welcome back, everybody. We're back here for Bitcoin Roundtable. Woohoo! Vince here with Darren and Libby. Hi, everybody. Hi, in our new studio. If you go on to our social media following, you will see we have a new studio. I think you did a great job, Lib. It looks really, really nice. And we have a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline. I know a few episodes ago we mentioned about a clothing line that I am working with a artist on right now. His name is Paul Smumiddle. So that's quite exciting. Uh, Didn't you say you were going to have t-shirts actually ready to sell like a, a, you know, a year ago? Well, I believe it was two weeks ago, I said. But I sort of scrapped it because I got Paul involved. And now he's going to do some artist work for us. Okay. I want them yeah. to be great when they come out. I don't want sure. them just to be some silly little half-assed t-shirt. I'm looking for some greatness. So, folks, to, for anyone listening out there, this is a classic case of... Uh, over-promising and under-delivering. Wow. But let's hope the end product justifies the, the added delay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, no pressure there, folks. I think when you said that, I was going to be like, you sure it's, it's going to be ready next week? And you're well, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I took a different path. I didn't want to just put a, you know, a symbol on a shirt. I want artwork. I want something that people are going to want to buy and the crypto community can relate to. But at the start, you didn't. You wanted wanted to slap a Bitcoin on a shirt and sell it. Yeah, at first I was... Basically, you're going to sucker people. Well, I wouldn't call it suckering people. Good Lord. Well, you you gotta have something of quality, right? That's what I'm working on, something of quality. All right, so... Do I get a free shirt? No, you pay double. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so there's shirts and socks and full clothing line? No, 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 it's not a full clothing line. I'm not Johnny Versace. I'm not designing a clothing line. Why not? I'm thinking about a t-shirt. You got time. I have time. (laughs) I have time, he says. Uh Okay, what about mitts? Who wants mitts? People that live in the winter. I think there will be a toque. All right. But I do not believe there will be any mittens. I'm actually thinking about maybe a scarf. And for non-Canadians, toque means... Hat. Oh, we we will have a ball cap as well as a winter toque. Oh, there you go. Yes. Hey, it sounds like a great clothing line. I'm looking forward to seeing what you got. You're a smart ass. (laughs) It's a start. You're definitely paying double. I was going to get you your own shirt, but no way. Will we be accepting Bitcoin for payment? Of course we will be. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ripple, probably, because you're a big Ripple fan. Oh, did Ripple starting to go back up again? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I I was looking yesterday, and it was, what, 53, 54 cents? Yeah. You can buy that new Cadillac you're looking at. Nice. I still hold a little bit of Ripple, so (laughs) I was waiting for it to go back. Where's Bitcoin at today? I think it was around 63, 6,400, something like that. It's still sort of just hovering right around where it's been for even the last two, three weeks, right? Yeah, well, it's definitely calmed down a lot. Like, the volatility's definitely dropped over the last couple, even months, I would say. Oh, somebody's crying up there. Yeah, the volatility's come down on Bitcoin, which, you know, a lot of people want that lower volatility, you know, the added stability in price. General feeling is, I think it was up at around 6,700, and it can go up or down. I think a lot of people are anticipating it to drop into the 6,000 range. Okay. 
um, maybe breakthrough go a bit lower before it starts a bull run, but then other people are saying, oh, it's not going to go that low. So, you know, I don't really know. I, my general feeling is if it goes down, I, I, I don't know. I can't predict, but I'm not going to be bothered to see it drop into the 5,000 range because no. I think the general feeling is from some people, they say it's going to do that before it punches up again. So, right. I don't know. I just, I guess, going to slowly keep buying a little bit every month as I have been for a long time, which is called dollar cost averaging, which kind of keeps my risk level fairly low unless, you know, you listen to some people that say it's going to go to zero, which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's in why which case. <laughs> I guess that's why you never put in money into Bitcoin that you can't afford to lose, right? So true enough. Uh, Tom Lee, a fun strat and quite a few people are still sticking to their 20 25,000 plus the end of the year kind of thing and by the end of the year in like the next three three and a half months yeah wow so you know it's interesting remember last year when it spiked there at christmas time up in around 18 to 20 yeah where was it around october before that do you happen to remember it all or october probably running around six thousand. So it's really not that far-fetched to think it could get up there around 20 again, even in the next three, four months. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, okay. Well, you have to think about it. It's like any asset, really, whose value will eventually change, like even housing, right? I mean, you've seen it in the last 30 years in Canada with the housing just starts to go up and keeps going up and keeps going up, low interest rates, so the cost of money is cheap. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're undergoing an experience that we're currently encountering in Canada where there's a lot of people out there that own two, three houses. Yikes. You know, they don't have any money in the bank account or any money invested. They just buy houses because, you know, they buy them cheap and try to sell them high. And, uh, and over the last couple of decades, it's been very, very good way to make money. Hmm. Um, the downside is, you know, the interest rates are going up and some people are getting caught with their pants down. I heard they're going up again in October. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the general consensus is that they are going to continue going up. Some recent news out of the U.S. and the the feds are very bullish. It's just overheated, and they are going to continue their course of raising interest rates, and in some cases, they may actually raise retire. Right. Well, we got called away on short notice in the middle of our last podcast, so it's a week later, and we're just going to continue. What has happened since? Well... Bitcoin is now at 65. Uh, yeah, just well, just under 66. Yep. Just under 6,600. So, you know, I was talking with Vince. It kind of feels like, you know, I think Mike Novogratz was calling the bottom. And it looks like it doesn't want to go down. Uh, it still might, I guess. But uh, it's starting to look like good prospects from this price range. But it's been pretty flat the last few weeks. Yeah, well, Tilly's so, been right down. Yeah. Backed is, you know, continuing forward. It should be coming out soon. Yeah, what else has happened? since uh, NAFTA deal got done. Oh, did NAFTA ever get done? Yeah. Yes. Do you know much about the details on that? Well, only the dairy side of it, where I guess Canadian, they basically opened it up for American dairy to come in. So what did it say? It pissed off 220,000 Canadian dairy farmers. Well, people in the dairy industry. In dairy in the industry, yes. Yeah, so... 
But on the upside, it also it made dairy cheaper for about oh. 30 million Canadians, I would assume. Like, so. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the deal wasn't going to get done unless dairy got conceded. That was a point Donald Trump, Trump. made public. And, you know, what are you going to do? You know, lose a couple hundred thousand auto worker jobs or concede dairy? I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer. Um, despite the fact that the dairy industry contributes, from what I can tell, a huge amount of money to all political campaigns and, and is that they enjoyed a protected status because the government was always on their sides. So. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you know. And apparently the, the dairy industry isn't rolling over and taking it either. They're trying to fight it. I don't know what real grounds they have to fight it, but they say they're trying to. Yeah, it's very interesting events happening. I read a pretty cool thing talking about Walmart using blockchain to track the recalls in particular. Okay. Apparently, it was sitting in the Toronto Star on the weekend. In a roundabout way, it sort of said, you know, if they have a recall, in the past when they had a recall of spinach, they'd have to pull all of the spinach everywhere. Now they're able with blockchain to actually track it down to bags, down to stores. So they think they can only really have to pull the stuff that they know is bad rather than all of it. Now, do you think Walmart has signed on to some type of blockchain company like a Walton chain type thing or they got their own thing going I would guess Walmart would probably have their own thing going just using the blockchain technology but really blockchain is just a database but it's distributed so my question is is Walmart really using a distributed database or is it really just an right. internal database system and yeah I don't know I don't know, you know, I, th I think you'd have to be pretty ignorant to think that Walmart wouldn't be involved in the whole thing. I think everybody's getting involved in it in one way or another, whether they want to admit it or not, they want to at least make sure they have a toe in the water. No, it's true enough. I get it. Walmart's still blockchain. Uh, you know, hey, and the fact that the article did mention Bitcoin within it, too, so it just gives a little more push, a little more backing to Bitcoin and helping it get there a little bit quicker. Yeah, I think also now Bitcoin has started enabling or allowing ads for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's great. Google? Uh, yeah. And to me, that also is starting to put more pressure on companies like Amazon. I feel like cryptocurrency in some form or other is coming for Amazon because hmm. they're a huge retailer and how long are you going to be able to ignore it? I kind of feel like they might try to come out with their own cryptocurrency or use Ripple. Right. You know, they might use Ripple. Who knows what they're going to use, but whatever happens here, if uh, Amazon starts accepting a type of cryptocurrency, you're going to see a massive interest all of a sudden start again, right? Well, Google helps, and you know damn well the only reason why Google got involved was because they probably got themselves a position in it now where they're happy. That's and, possible. Uh, right? Well, sure it is. Sure it is. That's the only reason they're trying or starting to accept it because I think anyway that they've got some sort of position on it. It's also good news. I would imagine that uh, Amazon's thinking. They've got to be thinking that Bitcoin's going oh, to be certainly. an acceptable payment method one day. I don't know how quickly it's going to come about, but... The fact that Google is now accepting uh, ads in that space is indicative of perhaps begrudging, but overall acceptance in the larger business community. And to me, it's just 
one step further towards seeing crypto on Amazon, which is going to be a huge game changer. What else we got to talk about today? Oh, we've got a question from Instagram. Just cue the music. Dun, dun, My dun. phone is very slow. Maybe we should start running a podcast ad so we can buy you a phone. I do do all my work from my phone. Yes, I know you do. Note I emailed it to Vince, not Darren, because Darren never checks his phone. That's true. Thoughts on Ripple's recent bull run? Thoughts on it? Yes. Will we see the price go even further or even higher, I believe Ryan's trying to ask. Ryan, being a Ripple guy, I say yes. <laughs> you I say definitely. I think I still have about a couple hundred bucks in Ripple and I would love to see Ripple go up again. But will it hit that $3 mark that I believe it was at six months ago? Did it get up that far? It got pretty high. All right. We don't know, Ryan. We we do the same thing you do. We look at our big crystal ball and we take a guess, right? It's a good thing for all cryptos that you've got, you know, Bitcoin holding steady and Ripple going up. I believe that uh, over the last month, Ripple made greatest gains out of all the cryptos, which was nice to see if you're holding some Ripple. But if you really want to see Ripple hit five bucks, then you cross your fingers and hope Amazon starts to accept Ripple. <laughs> yes. But again, you know, it's not a truly distributed database, right? Ripple is all databases on private servers. No, you never really liked the Ripple because you thought it was too close to the banks, right? Or it's on the bank servers. Well, the servers are controlled by the banks. Right. It's not controlled by the people. So that's why you didn't buy any and you didn't want to make any money, right? It's not a truly decentralized system. You could also argue that it may be more hackable. Right. But again, you know, partly because the banks do use it and like it, you may see a quick path to implementation. And I think during our interview with Ryan, but part of the reason Ryan bought it was because, you know, unlike Bitcoin, Ripple followed the rules of the system yes. and was already yeah. accepted by the banking community. And That's what he liked about it. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to argue against that I'm just you know some people like Ripple some people like Bitcoin yeah where it goes I don't know if banks really start to embrace it which I can see happening you know partly due to the pressures that Bitcoin may put on the banks because well well heck I can wire a hundred grand to anyone on the planet with a Bitcoin address if I had a hundred grand if you had a hundred grand in Bitcoin and I could do it for ten cents try wiring that through a bank for ten cents ten <laughs> percent it ain't gonna happen right yeah like I think in Canada to wire money the minimum cost is about thirty dollars or so you know and you just send it out in the blue hope it gets wow. to the right person and then they still take your money the fees that banks charge for dealing and managing your money are significant is it justifiable maybe justifiable if you're a bank well look at bitcoin right if you have bitcoin you are your own bank so if you lose your bitcoin access to your bitcoin then you're dead yeah whereas you know if you have a bank account well you know your money's there so there's there's pros and cons to both ways um, oh sure but there's no doubt and history has proven that banks are definitely capitalizing on <laughs> the fees and the charges they'll just keep charging you more and you know like service charges are now quite significant um, for most almost all accounts now in banks. They're, they're outrageous including ATM fees and it still feels like they're in the dark ages when it comes to writing checks like up in Canada I don't know what it is like in uh, whatever part of the world our listeners are listening from but 
in Canada you write a check and when they're not really sure if it's valid you have to have some type of history with the bank to, for them to even consider cashing personal checks well, not to mention the price they charge you just for the checks you know the new FinTrack laws basically mean the banks are responsible for knowing where all the dollars are going and anti-terrorism laws sure so, yeah. you know if you start dealing with any type of money of significance they need to know where it's all going where it's coming from that's bullshit you know a lot of people don't see it but if you know if you're active in banks and you have like say a business or something like that it becomes very obvious like it's it's very hard to do even the simplest things in a bank, transferring money or buying product from a vendor who's out of country. These types of services, it's 20 minute, half hour lineup at a bank, and then you're, <laughs> and then you're talking to the teller for half an hour, you know. Yeah. You get your home address and your phone numbers and... Feels pretty intrusive. It'd be so nice, you know, someday to just say, look, you know, oh, my, my supplier needs, uh, you know, five grand cash to send me product and you know you just send them by bitcoin and it's done in 10 minutes yeah right and it's on its way and it cost you maybe okay maybe it cost you a buck but it didn't right you know who cares but it's instant it's done yeah and uh there's no middleman it's just done and all these big money lender money transfer places are gonna they're gonna fold Right, but I mean, that's, I guess we were originally talking about Ripple, and that's kind of why I see Ripple has certainly interesting potential, because if Bitcoin really does become utilized as a way to, you know, avoid the owner's bank fees and such, Mm -hmm. then the banks will probably turn to Ripple as a means to try to compete. Right. They'll always try to find a way to compete, because... I mean, that's just the laws of business. You want to stay relevant. So banks get desperate and Bitcoin really starts to take a a larger hold and reduce the necessity of banks. Then the banks may very well turn to Ripple as a means of uh, counteracting that effect. Mm -hmm. And in, in which case, you know, even if Bitcoin doesn't become utilized by a huge percentage of the population, the other rest of the population will still benefit by the, the reduced fees from the banks yes. and increased service times and, uh, you know, that, that, that the banks could achieve using Ripple. Yeah, it'll just trickle down and you know, anybody over there should be able to get an advantage on it, right? It'll be a good thing for everybody. Yeah. Except mm-hmm. the banks, I mean, you know, their bottom lines might... Oh, well... <laughs> but you know in Canada when it comes to banks I mean most of the money the banks are making now is off of mortgages right so I mean I'm sure that may or may not be the case elsewhere but in Canada I mean <laughs> it's it's quite interesting when you see it I mean yeah. you know the CMHC which is the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation yeah. it's, it's federally insured money yeah. basically so for people who don't know if you want to buy a house in Canada you get a mortgage and if you I think pay less than 20% down is it? I don't think it's as high as 20 so what happens is you have to go through the CMHC CMHC automatically kicks in in which case I think you pay a small fee yeah and what that does is guarantee the mortgage to the banks the banks take the mortgage but the CMHC basically tells the banks that I guarantee that the buyer of this house will pay the mortgage. Will make their mortgage payments, yes. So if they don't make the mortgage payments, the CMHC pays the bank. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, so what if a you're, great thing if you're a bank. And if you're the bank, there's no risk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's a beautiful play. Well, why not take on a whole bunch of mortgages then that are, you know, sort of not all that great because they're all insured anyway. This whole generation, I mean, literally the last 20, 25 years, you know, you've seen a huge upswing in house prices in Canada. FOMO, basically, the prices keep rising and people yeah. start freaking out, watching their neighbor, they say, oh, you know, I just made 400000 Yeah. And partly because if it's your primary residence and you sell your house, the gains you make are tax-free. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on changing that, actually. But basically, it's it's been the Canadian way of trying to invest your money instead of putting it in the stock market and such. Right. So what's happened for banks, banks have been loving it because the interest rates have been low, so everybody just keeps bidding each other, outbidding each other on house prices, so the house prices are very high. Um, everyone's using a variable rate mortgage, and the interest rates have been really low. And... What you have now, when you look back, is uh, a huge number of Canadians that have paid a huge amount of money for these houses that are all guaranteed by the CMHC to the bank. So the bank has a massive amount of mortgages on their uh, balance sheets. You know, I don't know how many are actually guaranteed, but I would argue that there's probably about 30 to 40% of these mortgages are guaranteed. Oh, I would say if it's not higher, sure. So no risk for the banks. Huge risk for CMHC, which is funded by the taxpayers. So, you know, if there's a housing crash, taxpayers basically bail out. And the bailout goes to the banks to pay the mortgage. So that's similar to what happened in the States, right? Similar. But the interesting aspect really though is you look at just the number of people that have you know in my opinion and maybe not others but have overpaid huge money for these houses due to low interest rates and the bank has basically captured their profits for the next 20 years yeah and with interest rates only going up and a lot of these uh, mortgages that were held a couple years ago you can only get a mortgage i think the longest term is five years in Canada. So even if you get a fixed rate mortgage, you still have to renew it every five years. Okay. Yeah, I, I've always been variable. Right. And yeah. most, most people have been variable and it's been the way to go for you probably 30 years yeah. they add quite a bit on the fixed rate but the interesting part is you can't get a fixed rate mortgage for longer than five years anyways yeah right i mean a fixed rate would would really be something to consider maybe if it, you can get a 10 or 15 year term on it and you know that there's going to be a long-term rise in interest rates yeah you, yeah you used to be able to in canada didn't you didn't years ago yeah. you used to be able to lock in for like 10 years i now i imagine it was probably you know seven eight nine percent but but I would argue that banks have continued lobbying to bring rules to make sure that they always win. Oh, well. <laughs> from, from a skeptic's point of view, that's my sense yeah. of it. Well, they're not going to go into business if they're not going to win. <laughs> like all these poor people, like if interest rates keep rising, and there's a lot of people saying they are. Well, they just basically told you they're going to go up again in uh, October, wasn't it? End of October, yeah. you'll have another quarter point. And, you got, on. and I think there's 3 million households in Canada with HELOCs, which are home equity lines of credit. And a home equity line of credit basically means if you own your house, you can borrow, I think it's up to 50% against the value of the house. It's a lot of money if you own a house in Toronto and it's worth a couple million bucks. But it's also low interest because it's secured by the house. Right. Oh, sure. So if you can't pay the HELOC, the loan. What happens? The bank takes over your house. <laughs> and sells it. Bye-bye, house. 
Yeah. It's interesting because some people see a tipping point, right? If you start to see house prices drop, you could argue, some people argue they're having drops. Well, they put the stress test in, right? And they say that helped a little bit out in Vancouver, but they said it hasn't really done a whole lot in the Toronto market. But if you see 20% come off the price of houses, which I would argue you're going to see, you're going to start seeing helocs getting called because people, if they have the full heloc out, you don't actually have to pay the principal on a heloc. You just have to pay the interest. But if your house price starts falling, that means if you had a house that was worth a million dollars or early 2017 and you took out a helo for 500 grand, maybe peeled off 300 grand and give it to your kids to put a down payment on the condo. Um, <laughs> number one, interest rates are going up. So your your monthly payment on the helo is getting higher, even if it's only interest. And if housing values go down 20%, the bank is going to say, well, with your house only now worth 800,000, you should only be allowed to have a helo maximum out of 400,000. We, we want our hundred back. The bad part about the helo is it's recallable at any time. And so, what could happen, I'm not saying it will happen, but you could have the bank or whoever gave you the helo, might be a corporation that does it as well, send you a letter, give you a phone call saying, you know, you're underwater in your helo, pay us 100000 within two months or we take your house and sell it. Well, I think you're going to see it. I'd be really, really worried if I had a helo out there for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, you know, the level of indebtedness of the average Canadian citizen is extremely high. I think it's about 25% higher than the level at which most economists say you should really be worried. So it's it's into like the levels of almost the unknown. What is that figure? What do they say that the average Canadian owes? I don't have the numbers, I just know it's very high, so. But is that including a house? Um, yeah, total assets versus income. Yeah, I don't How much a person owes compared to how much they make. One level, total value of assets. I don't know. This could be a lot of people underwater. <laughs> I know enough to talk a good game, but I don't actually know the numbers. Okay, well, we'd like to thank everybody for listening tonight. Um, we wanted to keep it a little bit lighter as we've been doing an awful lot of interviews. Well, it's not super light if you're a dairy farmer, but... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we can't make everybody happy, but uh, I think that, like you mentioned before, for the other 33 million Canadians, it could be a good thing. So, what, what, what do we work it out to? About 25 bucks a week in savings in dairy? If it's half, it's at least that. Wow. Yeah. I'll take the 25 bucks every week. Thank you. Yeah. It will be for us. For sure. Yeah. It will be for us. Yeah. Okay. I can buy more meat with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but thanks everybody for listening this week and uh, we'll see you all next week. Hey, yeah. And may the coins forever fall in your favor. Good night. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.